my love the dark. Do you want to know a secret that's not really a secret at all? I may seem powerful, but I'm weak. I cannot exist if you don't let me. I can't survive if you don't feed me. I can die if you kill me, but you won't. My name is Fear. I keep kings from becoming kings. I hold back willing hands from doing most anything. I send armies marching from lands. I stop helping hands. I've made you sit down instead of taking a righteous stand. That's just what I do. My name is Fear. You used to know me as that monster that lived under your bed. My name is Fear. You now know me as the monster that lives in your everyday, keeping real living at bay. You let me own you. You let me control you. You let me slow you to a ridiculously boring pace. My name is Fear, and you all too well know my face. My name is Fear, but I need no introduction wherever I go. You all know that my name is Fear. My name is Fear, and I am here because you said it so. You invited me here. I know that it's true because... Well, otherwise, I wouldn't be here with you. But I can't stay if you don't let me. I can't win if you best me. I can be broken if you just break me. But you don't. My name is fear until you say it isn't. But you won't. As you saw in the introduction this morning, as we started, and then with uh, the monologue you just heard, the next couple of weeks as we go into this Christmas season, we're going to talk a little bit about fear. And often when we look at the Christmas season, we think about all of the wonderful memories of Christmas's past. We think about when we were a kid and how excited we got. We think about maybe it was your most a prized gift that you got as a child. Maybe it was a tradition that happened on a regular basis in your home or with your extended family. Maybe for you, it was just the fact that as a child, you got out of school for a week and a half to two weeks. All kinds of different things that play in your head. And often we don't think of the fears that go along with Christmas. You say, what do you mean, Tim, the fears that go along with Christmas? Well, as we just so aptly were reminded that fear lives in every one of our heads and every one of our hearts. And often it stops us from doing things that are really, really important in our life and really, really important for our families and really, really important for our own personal growth and development. It's been said before that fear sets the limits for how far we will go in life. Those boundaries are not physical. Very often, those boundaries and limits that have been set are set up within our heads and within our hearts. 
And there are boundaries that stop us because we allow them to do that. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at the Christmas story, but we're going to remind you that those people that that are part of that unfolding of that wonderful story of Christ's coming were human just like you and I. And they had hearts and minds just like we do. And they struggled with the same feelings and the same fears and the same heartaches and the same limits that you and I struggle with. And often we take those stories out of the Bible and those incidents that happen with those people and we place them on a level and a plateau and we think, wow, those were amazing people. And yes, to some extent they were, but at the same time, they were equally as human as you and I and they struggled with the same things that we do. And it's very evident as we read the stories together, we just choose to skip over those parts and look at the exciting parts. And we forget that they had to walk through some of the same fears that we do. And so this morning, we're going to start with the passage that Sean read for us about Zachariah and Elizabeth. And if you stop for a few moments as you read those short verses, you'll realize that they had a lot of issues that were going on in the background. And we're going to look at that for a few minutes. And there were some fears that played a major part in their life and how they responded to God. And I want you to think about how those fears that they faced affect you today. Because they affect all of us because we're all in the same boat. We're all human. We're all in need of the same Savior and the same help from God. So would you bow with me for just a moment before we look into the Word of God together this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity that is ours once again to open the Word of God in freedom, to study it together, to learn from it. Thank you for the promise that you provide everything that we need by your Spirit. And we ask that you would do that in the next few moments as we open the Word of God that your spirit would be free to speak to our hearts. God, I'm not so concerned about what I have to say about your word as I am concerned about what your word has to say to us this morning. And so would you help me to be out of your way? Use me just as a vessel, just to speak truth in a way that's clear. Help us to understand the truth that you want us to know today, myself included. In your precious name we pray, amen. So the guys that we're going to look at, or the couple that we're going to look at, Zachariah and Elizabeth, had pleaded before God. If you remember what Sean read, they had prayed and prayed and prayed and come before God on a regular basis because they wanted children and they couldn't have any. And we're going to look at this in a few moments, but they're later on in life at this point, and they still haven't had any children, and they've, they've sacrificed, and they've served, and they've fulfilled the position that God asked them to do. He was a priest, and he was in the priestly line, and he had grown up there, and, and it was the job that God had set before him, and he was living out that job. He was fulfilling the job that God had set before him, and he was doing it regularly, and his wife was with him, and she was convinced that this was the direction that God wanted them to go. And, and so they were serving together and they constantly came before God and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and you say it and they prayed. And they came to God and they asked God, God, I'd really like a child. And up to this point, guess what? No children. 
That's what scripture tells us. Now, I need to stop before I go any farther with the events that are going to unfold and how I talk about the fear that came into their lives. Before I do that, I need to talk to you for a minute because we've got to look at the elephant in the room because there is one. You may not know it yet, but there is. I don't know how you can miss it because it's huge. Sometimes prayers aren't answered. Did you know that? Oh, yes, you do, because you've experienced it, right? Yeah, so have I. Sometimes we can pray and pray and pray and ask God and come before God, and nothing changes. And in and of ourselves, we become discouraged and sometimes despondent and sometimes bitter. And sometimes we're asking for amazing and wonderful things and you're like, why wouldn't God answer that prayer? I mean, Zachariah and Elizabeth were asking for a child and, and what's wrong with a child? God says that, that they're a gift from him to people. So what's wrong with asking for that? And I'm sure it's a priest and his wife that they would make wonderful parents. So God, why is this a bad thing and why aren't you answering? I want to quickly go through seven reasons why God sometimes does not answer prayer. And I need to do this this morning because I want us to all start on the right page. I want us to start at the same place and I want us to realize that biblically there are legitimate reasons why God doesn't answer prayer. So you ready for this? This is a marathon. If you have a pen and you want the verses, they're not going to be on the screen. So you need to write them down. I did it on purpose because I don't want you to fall asleep. So follow along. If you've got a pen, you need to write this down. Here it is. Seven reasons. And these aren't all original. These aren't original with me. Guess where they're original from? Where? The Bible. So I didn't make this stuff up, okay? God said it this way. This is seven reasons why sometimes prayers are not answered. Reason number one found in James chapter four, verse two. Here it is. This is an obvious one. Because we don't ask. You say, what, Tim? No, that's what James says. It says that you don't have because you didn't ask. Sometimes in our mind, we say, God, we're praying about this, and you never did. You never actually got before God and said, God, this is what's going on, and this is what I need. Sometimes we don't have because we just haven't asked. You know what? We're so busy. Okay, I'm being facetious. You're not that busy. (laughs) That you don't have time to stop and ask God. So number one, we don't have or we don't have an answered prayer because we didn't ask. Number two, here it is, because we ask selfishly. James chapter four verse three says, you ask and don't receive because you asked with the wrong motives in your heart. It was all about you. It had nothing to do with what God wanted. It was a selfish motive. The motive of your heart and the attitude of your heart had nothing to do with God or who God is or what he wants. It's just about me. Have you ever been there? You asked and you prayed and you're praying for something. And really when you stopped and think about it, the reason you're asking for it is all about me. I asked selfish. Number three. We ask with unconfessed sin in our heart. I know this one's a little more serious. Well, they're all serious. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 say it this way. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
And if we confess our sins, look at this, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we are making him a liar and his word is not in us, folks. If we are coming before God and we're asking for things from God and we're praying and sin is living in us, Scripture in other places says that his heart is far from me. In other words, he can't hear me because of the sin that is in my life that stops my communication with God. And sometimes the reason God is not answering is because God's looking at his things like, look, I've put my finger on that sin so many times and you won't deal with it. Deal with it, please. Do something about it. Ask for my forgiveness. What I love about this verse is it says this, that the moment you ask for forgiveness with God, he forgives. It's done, it's complete, and it's over. He doesn't sit and say, let me, let me have you stew in that for a little while. Let me have you feel the weight of it for a little while. No, it says this, look, the moment you come and the moment you ask, I forgive you. And the relationship between us is restored. Sometimes we don't, have answers to our prayers because of unconfessed sin in our hearts. Number four, sometimes we're out of step with God. We don't know what God's thinking. We're not concerned about what God's, God's thinking. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says this. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything, catch this, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for of him. In other words, this verse says, look, if I know the heart of God, if I'm, if I'm reading the word of God and I'm coming to know God and I'm living a relationship with God and I ask according to the will of God, guess what he's going to do? He's going to answer. Because it's according to the will of God and the heart of God. And often when we go before God and we ask, we're not concerned about what God wants in this situation. We just want what we want. Back to our selfish heart. That's number four. Number five, we ask doubting. We come before God with doubt in our hearts. James chapter 1 verses 5 to 8 say it this way. Now if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. And it will be given to him and let him ask in faith without doubting is the word. For the doubter is like a surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Being double-minded and unstable in all his ways when we come before God. Do you know this about God? There is none greater. Do you know that? You're not sure. There's like five of you nodding your head. Did you know that there is none greater than God? Wow. Okay, we got a quarter. Did you know that there is none greater than God? That's better. Okay, you're sure of it. There is none greater than God. He's the greatest. And when we come before God and we ask in the will of God with the heart of God, don't doubt because he's it. There's no other place to go. There's no other one greater. There's no one else that can do the impossible, only God. And he says this in James, he says, look, when you come before God, if, you, if you're living for God and your heart is in a place of honoring God, then when you ask, don't doubt, he's your father, he loves you, he's gonna provide. It may not be the way you think it's gonna be, but he promises that he will. If somebody asks for wisdom, I'll give it to you. And I'll do it happily without doubting. Number six, 
Sometimes we ask in pride, I am so good, God. I have been so good lately. I mean, God, I have served so well. I mean, I haven't yelled at the kids in at least 20 hours. God, I, 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 helped, I helped my jerk of a neighbor. My neighbors aren't jerks, by the way. Just clear, clear that up. Mike, that wasn't you. We're all good. He's my neighbor. I stayed overtime at work. Didn't ask for anything. God, I have been so good. You need to answer my prayer. James chapter 4, verses 6 to 8, God says something about, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says this, look, if we humble ourselves before God and we don't come proud, you remember the story in the Gospels of the one who was a Pharisee who stood on the street corner and said, God, look how good I am. Look what I've done for you. Versus the one who stood off to his side so no one would hear, say, God, I'm a sinner and I need your help. It's a heart of humility. Sometimes we pray out of a place of pride where we say, God, I've just done so much for you, you have to answer and God goes, oh, no, I don't. Oh, no, I don't. Number seven, sometimes we ask without even knowing God. Sometimes we come before God and we ask God for things, and if we stop long enough, we'd realize we don't even have a relationship with him at all. I just want God to show up because he's great. And I've never come to the place where I've submitted my heart and my will to the will of God, and I've never come to the place where I've admitted that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And yet I expect God to answer the prayers that I bring before him. John chapter 15 says it this way in verses 7 and 8, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You got to know him. You got to remain in him. You got to be in a relationship with God. Those are a few reasons from the Bible why prayers are not answered, but what if you're like this couple? What if none of those things are true? Because this couple we're reading about, none of that stuff applied. None of it was true of them. Zechariah and Elizabeth, the Bible tells us this, that they lived for God. They had clean hearts. They were right before God. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, that both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. Verse 7 
says, but they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. So the unanswered prayer wasn't because there was something wrong in their life. It wasn't because there was sin in their heart. It wasn't because they were proud. No, they were humble servants of God. They had said yes to God over years and years because this says this. It says that they were along in years. They had served God for a long time and they had consistently gone in the same direction with God. They had fulfilled all that God had asked and yet it says that their prayers weren't answered yet. Why? Why? Say, Tim, you gave us seven reasons, but none of them apply. I did it on purpose because I want you to realize that often God's will and God's plan is not ours. I need you to understand that this isn't a cause and effect thing. Coming before God and praying to God doesn't mean that God will just see things your way. God is all about building our character. That's what he wants. He wants to mold us into the likeness of his image, his son, Jesus Christ. And so even in our prayer life, God is concerned about molding my character, your character into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so when I pray, it's not about me getting my way. It's not even about me getting an answer so I can tell everybody that God answered my prayer. God is concerned about me becoming the person that he's created me to be. And sometimes for him to do that, that means that he holds off on answering my prayer because he wants me to trust. And I want you to get that this morning because that's all we're going to talk about for the next, as we, as we finish up this morning. I want you to understand that God is about my trusting him as God. Who's God? Are you? I'm going to ask it again. Are you God? No. We need that reminder. But he is Jehovah, the one who created the world. He is God. I am not. And often my prayer life is about me being reminded who is God. He is. He is. And I'm not. And I need to trust that he knows best. Guess what? He knows best all the time. Did you catch that? He knows best when? All the time. And so sometimes when I think I know what's best for me, God is, God is looking over my life and by his Holy Spirit, he's directing my life and he's saying, no, Tim, that's not what's best for you. Because if I do that, it's going to affect you in this way. And that's not where I want you to be. It's not who I want you to become. And so he answers totally different. They were honoring God to the best of their ability. They were filling God's will, fulfilling God's will. They were staying close to him by their obedience. We get to verse 13 and it says this, that now his prayer is about to be answered. But up until that point, they had continued with God. They had done the last thing that God asked them to do and they did it without complaint before God. And God was building their character. Lesson this morning, lesson for you, believer in Jesus Christ, lesson for you, lesson for me. You catch, there's a lesson here. I want you to get it. Here's the lesson. 
Keep doing the right thing no matter what. Trust. Trust God. He will prevail. Allow God to build your character while you, you're going to not like this word. You ready for this? Allow God to build your character while you wait. I don't want to wait. I want to be in the building last October because it was warmer then. I don't want to wait. And God says, no, as a church, I need you to wait. Do you know what God has done in this body in the last three months because we've waited? Think of the friendships that you've developed. Think of the people that you've leaned on. Think of the people that you've worked with together for a common goal. Think of what God's done in your heart. We can't see all of that. Two years ago, we couldn't see it. And God says, I don't know about you, but I've been praying. I I hope you have been. Maybe it's just been Mike and I who want to get in there. (laughs) But I've been praying for a long time about this whole thing. And God keeps saying, wait, wait. You know what he's telling me? This is the lesson. This is real. This is, this is Zachariah and Elizabeth. This is what's going on in their life. This is, this is today. This is right now. God is saying, look, I want to develop your character and I want you to trust me and only me. I don't want to trust your ability to work. I don't want to trust you to trust money. I don't want, I don't want you to trust the system. I want you to trust just me. Maybe what's going on is we're slow. Learning what God is trying to teach us. Okay, maybe it's me, it's not you. But God says this, trust. And while you wait, keep doing the last thing he told you to do. And can I say something to you guys? I'm proud of you. Because as a church body, you've just kept doing the last thing you were told to do. Thank you. Thank you for doing that with us as leaders. We're waiting. And God just keeps saying, hey, just keep doing the last right thing. Just keep doing it. We got to keep going because time is cruising. Now, God is about to answer, and here it is, Luke chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. He says this, And at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, standing at the right of the altar of of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. Two responses from Zechariah in this passage. Response number one, he was, you said he was terrified and overcome with fear. Now I need to tell you something because we're coming into Christmas. This isn't one of those fat baby angels that he ran into. That's not. I know that's the picture and that's the one hanging on your tree, but that's not who it is. Scripture tells us in verse 13 that this was Gabriel, the warrior angel, is who it is. And he's fearsome. It says this about him, that he came from the presence of God. Can you imagine that? You're standing before the altar and you're doing what you're supposed to do and you've done it many, 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 many many times and you're, you're presenting the incense on behalf of the people and you're praying and you open your eyes. I don't know if they closed their eyes, but let's say they did. And he opened his eyes, and he looked off to the side, and there's this angel who's a warrior, 
who's standing in front of you. I'd be afraid. I'd be afraid. And he was terrified and he was afraid because he was in the presence of someone who was sent from God. And the angel answers the same way you're going to find in all the next messages that we talk about. When an angel appears before man, he, he answers the same way to all of them. And he says this, don't be afraid. Look at this, verse 13. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, Zachariah, because your prayer has been heard. You've been praying for a long time. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. Notice when God answered their prayer. When God was ready to answer their prayer. Did you see that? The same is true for you and I. God will answer our prayers when God's ready to answer our prayer. Can you trust him with that? Are you okay with that? He came before Zechariah when the time was right and he answered the prayer, and he answered it in his time to fulfill his plan. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verses 17, I mean 14 to 17, it says this, and there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. This is John, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, and turn the hearts of their fathers uh, of their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous and to make ready for the Lord a prepared people so he stood in fear and his second response was disbelief he said how can I know this Zachariah asked the angel for I'm an old man and my wife is a lo- is long in years how can this be so how can I know that this is this is true how can this be right Isn't that often the case with us? We pray and we ask God. And when God finally answers, and often because it's in a way that that we don't expect. Can you imagine Zachariah who's long in years and all of a sudden God says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And he says, hey, I'm tired. (laughs) I think that way. How can we do it? We're old. God's timing isn't our timing, but it's right. And here's what God's timing was for. God said, look, I've been getting ready to send my son. He doesn't tell Zachariah this, but this is the plan of God. I've been getting ready to send my son to change the course of humanity. And I promised in prophecy that there would be one who would prepare the way of the Savior. And this is the time for that. And it's time for John to appear to get the nation ready, to get the people ready for the coming of a Savior. God's plan for us is in his time and his answering prayer is about his sovereignty and his will and his plan for our life and for people as a whole. Well, His fear does a number of things to him. Zachariah can't talk for nine months because of his fear. Zachariah is made once again to wait for God to prepare his heart. 
and to get his family ready for what's about to happen. So let me ask you a couple questions this morning, and I'm done. Number one, what are the limits that fear has set for you? What is it that stopped you from being the person God has asked you to be? What fear this morning is stopping you from sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with those who are closest to you? What fear is stopping you from living out the truth of Jesus Christ to the people that you rub shoulders with every day? And if there isn't one, if, if you're like Zachariah and Elizabeth and you say, look, but I've been living for God, I've been doing the right things for God, then let me ask you this, have you been waiting patiently for the answer? And while you've been waiting, have you been serving? Have you done the last thing that God has asked you to do? And are you continuing to do it? Are you just living it out? Are you just every day getting up saying, God, I'm waiting for your answer. But while I'm waiting, this is the last thing you said. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'll serve. I'll love. I'll care. I'll be the Christ follower I'm supposed to be, and I will do it to the best of my ability for your glory and you, to, until you change whatever it is that's before me. Are you trusting him while you wait? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways know him and he will make your path straight. Are you trusting him? While you wait, are you allowing him to build your character? Are you saying yes? God, would you grant us the courage in the middle of the life we're living? Maybe it's full of unanswered prayer right now. Maybe the limits of fear have stopped us. Maybe we've been in a holding pattern for a while as believers. God, would you help us to trust you that you're going to build our character appropriately and correctly? Would you help us to serve in the middle while we wait? Would you help us to say yes to your son, Jesus Christ, and allow you to be God and not us? Would you help us to yield and trust? And then, Father, there's probably some here this morning who don't have a relationship with you. They haven't come to the place where they understand their need of, of saving faith that only you can pay the price for their sin. God, would you, would you remove the fear from humbling themselves before you? Would you remove the fear that stops them from saying yes to your son? Would you help them to know your peace today and your hope? God, thank you. Thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you for the truth that it teaches Help us to trust you in the week before us. In your name we pray, amen.